0: It's a White Coat Wednesday, which means we talk medicine with our medical correspondent Dr. Mitch Schulman, who joins us now. Good morning, Dr. Mitch. Good morning to you, sir. Okay, so this is in Quebec currently, but I'm sure it has reverberations all over the country. Apparently, they're monitoring in Quebec for possible pneumonia uptick in kids.
1: Yeah, don't worry about it. Basically, well, yes, you should always, but no, this is not... So, first off, when you hear someone call something white lung syndrome, you know they know nothing about medicine. Uh, There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a white lung syndrome. Basically, though, what we're seeing happening in China and some other countries is, because they've relaxed their restrictions, remember how serious the restrictions were in terms of getting together and everything else? You're seeing exactly what happened to us this time last year. We released uh, people from the confinement we had put them in, relieved, relaxed a lot of the restrictions. And so all of a sudden there was an uptake. Remember the uptake in RSV? Remember the, the fear that we'd have a triple tsunami hitting us at the same time of flu and colds in RSV? So there are a lot of kids very sick. With colds and things like that, admissions to the hospital with pneumonia did go up. It was exactly what you would have expected when you let the, you know, let the dams, uh, you know, broke down the dams and let the water flood out. And so that's exactly what happened. And so that's what we think we're seeing in Denmark and in France and in um, China, especially right now. Having said that, having been burned more than once, right? The world is just a little bit more uh, skeptical and scared. And so they're watching to see if it's anything weird and wonderful. But the bugs they're seeing, mycoplasma pneumoniae is a bacteria, sort of bacteria that causes pneumonia that we see on a regular basis. Um, None of the bugs so far seem to be anything special, anything unusual, anything mutated, anything dangerous or severe. So they are watching it. They are keeping an eye on things. Once burned, twice wise. I think we've been burned more than once, though. And um, but for now, it's you know you need to worry about cold circulating now. Yes, and that's because of the fact that we're all having our get-togethers for the holidays. So yes, you need to take care of yourself. Don't go out if you're sick. Wear a mask. Wash your hands and all of that. But there's nothing more sinister
0: or more dangerous going on yet yet and we'll leave it at that. We had a story that we were talking about on the show last week and we were trying to track you down didn't find you day of so we thought okay we'll set this aside for White Coat Wednesday but it is an analysis of health of, of health care costs and outcomes for people who are treated by female surgeons and male surgeons and apparently female surgeons have a better outcome so what's that about? No
1: one knows, everyone is trying to figure this out. Now there there are some qualifications to that study which was reported in JAMA surgery, and they basically looked at a gazillion, over a million different procedures, uh, surgeries, 25 basic procedures, women or female surgeons or male surgeons, um, and they found yes. It costs the, the taxpayer, you, me, actually you, because it was in Ontario, a lot less if the surgeon was a female. Less complications, less expenses over the next year. Why? Well, there are a number of reasons. Don't forget, uh, female doctors are mainly taking care of female patients. Uh, these tend to be less expensive. They tend to follow them a little bit better. And so there's all sorts of practical reasons. Having said that, there may be something deeper here, and we know from previous studies that if a female hospitalist, that's a doctor who works within a hospital, um, takes care of a patient and discharges them, they're much less likely to come back to the hospital or suffer a complication than if it's a male hospitalist. Uh, we know that if I'm working in the emergency room and I see a woman who may be having a heart attack, as a guy, I'm likely to miss it. But if I'm a female doctor, I'm much less likely to miss it. And if I'm a male doctor working with female doctors, I'm much less likely to miss it. So there's definitely something there. What that something is, people have been trying to figure this out for at least 5 or 10 years right now. And we need to know. Because if we could understand what it is that is making them, um, and I'll say in quotation marks, better at what they do. maybe It may not be a function of better. It may be just that they're doing things differently. They're more attentive to their patients. Maybe they follow them more. We've got to figure this out. Because obviously you can save billions of dollars. If Forget about the fact that you're also getting people better with less complications, which I think is really important. But you're also saving billions of dollars. So we've
0: got to figure this out. Meanwhile, a common blood pressure drug that increases lifespan and slows aging in animals. Yeah, and a
1: worm. So if you're a worm, um, well, we don't know. Uh, Basically, the drug is something called rilmenidine. They say it's a commonly used drug for high blood pressure. I've never used it, and I've never seen anyone else on it in my life, in my professional career. But it is available here in Canada, and it is used. And we do know by the mechanism by which it works, which is both in the brain mainly and throughout the body, it relaxes the amount of stress hormone, stress tone in the body. And that's how it lowers blood pressure. It also turns on certain genes as it's doing this and certain pathways. So when they gave it to the worms, they basically found that these worms lived longer, even if they gave it to them when the worms are fairly advanced in age for a worm. I'm not even going to go there. So. Maybe there is something there. I think the key thing here is to figure out which are the pathways being turned on. How is it working? And could we mimic that in people in a <laughs> in a different way? Um, I certainly wouldn't necessarily recommend that you take this medication just to prolong your life until we have better information. One of the interesting things is it seems to work the same way that calorie restriction does in animals. And we know if we restrict our calorie intake by about 20 or 30%, which is very tough to do in people, and to do it in a healthy way in people. But you can get all sorts of organisms to live longer.
0: So if we can figure out those pathways, maybe we have something here. And as if vegans need anything more to brag about, apparently a vegan diet can improve your heart health in a rather quick time. This is phenomenal.
1: How they did this, I don't know. They found 22 sets of twins. That already blows my mind. And one of the twins was put on a healthy diet, but omnivorous. A little bit of meat, a little bit of fish, a little bit of... The other twin was put on a similar, very similar diet, but all vegan. All vegetables and nuts and fruits and those types of Mm. things. Followed them for four weeks by giving them their food. They gave them the meals that they were going to use. Then after four weeks said, no, no, you now know what to do. Feed yourselves properly. And at the end of eight weeks they found that things like their cholesterol was better, their blood pressure was better. They were, to all measures that we can take in terms of heart health, healthier and better. So maybe there is something to a a vegetable-based, fruit-based, vegan or vegetable uh, diet. The only thing to mention is you have to be careful in diets like this about certain vitamins like B12, which you may need to supplement because it's tough to get. And the same thing, vitamin D, especially if you're not having any dairy products. But having said that, it's yet another reason why maybe
0: they're onto something here. Dr. Mitch, thanks a lot. Good to have you. It's a pleasure. Have a great morning. That's our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman. And nothing against vegans, but I lived with a vegan. And the one thing that drove me crazy was no honey. And the reason for that is because apparently we're enslaving the bees. And I don't think the bees really care all that much. I trend toward vegetarianism, to be perfectly honest. But um, I always remember my roommate coming home one day and saying, did you cook flesh in my pan?